Okay, so just double checking, make sure, making sure that we're live. Okay, making sure we are live. Okay, so good evening, everybody. This is the Ask the Superbike Team Boss guy. This is Chuck Chiquetto, also known as Fat Chuck. He's that dude that's got the shirt that's a little bit too tight on race weekends, and he's always super stressed out. And uh, but he's also a good time, makes the best barbecue in the paddock, apparently. Uh, I know that Randy from 619 would probably have a, a fight about that, but uh, yeah, Chuck Chiquetto, how the hell are you, man? Man, I'm great, thanks an awful lot for having me on again. The, sh the show's really uh starting to uh come about pretty good. You guys are having some good guests on, and the uh the, the view counts have, have been up and it's starting to get a fair bit of chatter. So I think that's great. I, I like being part of anything that's successful. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that, man. You know, I've had a couple of good guests on lately, you know, I mean, we did the one with Alyssa, which is always amazing. Every time she opens her mouth, gold stuff comes out. Right. <laughs> um, and then dude, Stefano Mesa recently, that was amazing. Like that dude is, I mean, fuck, man, like you should hire that guy. Time. Honestly, he should be like your the second bike over there, and then and then obviously I did one with Ken Hill as well, and you know that was great, and um, you know we've been kind of coming up with t-shirt ideas, so no pressure, but hey, who knows? Maybe some kind of crap that comes out of your mouth will be on a t-shirt too. <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be interesting. So I, you know, I haven't really talked to you much since we hung out in Portugal, so. Um, you know, how did that go for you, man? I mean, I know you came out, you, you wore the attack shirt, uh, you were a fanboy for the weekend, basically. You were roomies with, uh, Fernando on, uh, from the attack team, but, um, how'd that go for you, man? Cause fuck, I saw you in the pits for a little bit day one and then you disappeared. you like, you were just like social butterfly guy. What, what's going on? Uh, it went really good for me, man. I mean, the only, um, bummer about the whole trip was I, I had that, uh, that, that swollen disc in my back and I'd never had back pain like that before but um so the plane ride over actually there and back was really good it was just ah, my back was killing me but beyond that it was a really great experience um I kind of wish that I went a couple of days earlier and left a day later or something yeah. like that just to get acclimated because when I was there it really was pretty much all business um you know, I had a bunch of meetings with the guys over at YME, and then I wanted to come over and at least support uh, Rich and you guys. There wasn't much help that was needed, but some support was good. And Fernando was a, a, a great roommate and a great travel partner. I mean, he drove everywhere because he wanted to, and he's just a great guy, and we had a lot of fun, dude. We had a lot of laughs. And, uh, yeah. So I enjoy that. There was no, there wasn't any bad part of the trip, I'll tell you. I've, uh, I think I'm going to book my uh, my tickets actually coming up here really quick to go to go back over regardless of whether something materializes again or not. I that was a good round, and I think after talking to you and Lily and stuff like that, I need to I'll spend a bit more time before and after. Dude, yeah, I mean, you know, we went and hung out in Spain. It was like a racecation when we went to Europe with with the team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, dude, hanging out in Barcelona and Sevilla and. I mean, even Madrid, like, it wasn't my favorite, but it was rad, dude. Like, the whole thing. And then, you know, the, the race part was just, like, four days of race, which is great. I love that. But, you know, 
Like, there, there's no way I could justify to the wife to go to Europe without hanging out. No, for sure. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, and I've been to some other parts of Spain before, to Barcelona and stuff like that. And I think it's it's really great. The um, the markets were, were incredible there to see. Um, the eating naturally is unbelievable, just like it is in Italy. But, no, I enjoyed our time. I met some new people over there. Um, I actually put face-to-face uh, -face with a bunch of people that I had been doing business with for an awful long time. And then we hadn't seen the World Superbike guys in a few years since the COVID thing. So, um, again, it was real nice to be able to hang out with those guys and, and um, take the whole thing in. So, yeah, no, it was well worth the time, well worth the money. I think if anybody is thinking about going and doing a, a round, they should go and do a round. Don't think about it. Just go do it. I mean, and that was a good Portugal, one to do. Portugal was, <clears throat> I think Portugal is kind of a unique, place on the spot on the calendar i guess because there wasn't there wasn't like a massive amount of fans there i thought that was kind of strange but the area is so beautiful and open and you know the beach hotel thing and you know it's just it was just super nice there you know well, it was very inexpensive as far as i was concerned for lodging dude um you know the flight was a little spendy but that's the way flights are these days. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't matter. You can go, I can go an hour and a half and it's $700 or I could go to Portugal and that was 1100 So, right. Um, but I agree, you know, and, and you guys got out and explored. You guys are pretty smart about that stuff. Again, my back was really bothering me. So it, <laughs> I didn't do much before or after the races, but you know, right there where we stayed, um, that was a block off the, off the water. So I know Fernando on the last day, he went down and checked it out, and he's like, you cannot believe what it's what it's like. If you just walked another block, you wouldn't have believed it. And I know the guys did that on Monday or Tuesday as well before they came home. So it's definitely something I'm going to check out next year. But I enjoyed it. The roads were really good over there. Um, the traffic was, I shouldn't say non-existent, but flowed very well. People obeyed the rules of the road very well. And um, everybody was exceptionally friendly, I thought. Especially yeah. The the paddock, the paddock was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I was telling Richard when we talked about the Portugal thing post-race, you know, it's like the first night we were there, I think it was Thursday night, um, first night we were there, we were at some uh, steakhouse, basically, the uh, Portuguese steakhouse. Um, it was right above, you would have known it because it was right above the gelato place. Um, <laughs> um so but we're, we're sitting there, and Top Rack was there, like, at the table next to us. I was like, I looked at Lily, and I'm like, shit, I think that's Top Rack. She's like, who the fuck's that? I'm like, that's the guy. Like, the the guy. guy. And um, we actually ran into him again on the last night. We were there on Sunday night after the races. He was there chilling, eating a gelato. <laughs> yeah. so, those, guys are those guys are really nice. They have a much... I shouldn't say that the riders are, but I just think that the the whole paddock is um, is a lot more laid back than MotoGP. I mean, they're still plenty serious. I mean, I I mean, I don't know if they're more laid back than Moto America. I mean, I don't no, see the any MotoGP. Oh, MotoGP. Yeah, I mean, of course, right? I mean, it's, it's uh... well, sometimes it's sometimes I would say it's difficult for fans to get a hold of 
of a said rider or a crew chief or something like that. And it's, the atmosphere is a little bit more open right. uh, within that paddock than it is. Oh, I mean, 100%. it's clamped down pretty good, but it's it's still, you know. Yeah. I mean. It's, it, it, World Superbike is definitely based on the fans. There's plenty for the fans to do there, and they really get, engage them really well. Yeah. I mean, look, those guys, they let me tour all through their stuff, right? They right. they walked me through their trailers and stuff. It was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they their team was pretty open book. I mean, I know that <clears throat> I know that we kind of used some of their stuff, you know? Right. <clears throat> stuff that Richard didn't have room in the crates to bring, right? right. So uh, they were they were quite hospitable to us and you know, I know that um, Richard's a pretty self-sufficient dude, and he did, he probably could have borrowed more stuff if he wanted to, but he was just like, nah, not going to, nah. <laughs> I think that's all part of the the Yamaha racing deal. Um, I've seen that happen at MotoGP stuff, like when we were at Coda. Those guys have, on the MotoGP team have helped us out before, and uh, boy, they're real good. Uh, when you become a part of, I've been, uh, I've been sponsored by two different divisions at Yamaha. One when the customer service group was um, uh, in business, and that was Yamalube and parts and accessories and things of that nature. Right. And then when that went away, uh, then Yamaha Racing picked us up. And um, each one of them has their, their pros. There certainly aren't any cons about being involved with either of them, but the right. pros are a lot different. And um, uh, these this particular group is all about winning races. Yeah, there's activation and stuff like that, but they're more interested in what can we do to make it easier for you and help you go race, activate the motorcycle and the winning? And we see that from Yamaha team to Yamaha team here in this country, from series to series, well, from class to class in this country, uh, and then right into uh, World Superbike, and then, of course, um, into MotoGP. So I can't exactly say that I can just go walk in a MotoGP box. That's not true. Um, uh, but I'm sure if I asked the right people, they would let us come in and have a poke around and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, very, uh, Yamaha family is different than most others I've been a, a part of and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, look, my little, my little regional SoCal program here is supported by Yamaha as well. And, um, that's right. You know, I, I'm stoked to be part of that program, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's, um, it's important to me. It's important to me to be part of the Yamaha deal. And, you know, we're, we're still talking and, um, you know, obviously talking about getting the, our units for next year. I guess, I guess we're gonna, we're gonna do the R7 thing again with a few R1s. And this year we're going to do an XSR 900, which is, it's kind of awesome. Um, for me, it's awesome because uh, it's kind of like life coming full circle. Full circle for me. Um, when I graduate, the right before I graduated high school, um, I gathered up, you know, whatever money I had working at McDonald's, and I went and bought some hunk of turd, basically used nineteen eighty one XS eight fifty Midnight right. Special Yamaha triple, right? And it was yeah. Three-cylinder Yamaha, triple, yeah. 850, had a Kickstarter, and then, you know, lots of years later now, 
going to have a 900 triple, basically, Yamaha, with no Kickstarter. Um, I mean, that thing, look, that thing was, uh, that, that 1981 bike that I had, it was, a, it was kind of a pile. I mean, I bought it from some used dealer guy that, I mean, gum wrapper yeah, from dude, It's just like surfing. It doesn't matter <laughs> what condition the board's in. If you're doing it, you're doing it. Right, yeah. But, I mean, you know, how many people can say they rode a motorcycle with gum wrappers for fuses? <laughs> right? I mean, I, you know, I worked at, like, a pizza place or something, and I remember kick-starting that thing till out, late hours of the night to make it run. And um, it ran, you know, but I did have to kick-start it. I don't know why, but whatever. But now I'm going to have a new one in the fleet, and I, I think it's just great, you know. I already talked to Luke from Cormoto. I was like, dude, maybe we should do some gold wheels for that thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's got some little volt right on there. Yeah, I know. I know he's got an MT09 over there, which I think has the same wheels. Um, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, so I, I think he's working on something. I know he had a set for the previous bike, but the previous bike didn't have ABS springs on the wheel. Right. So it's a complete different wheel. Right. You know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing. I'm, I'm really happy to be part of the Yamaha family and those guys, those guys do a good job taking care of us. And so, you know, we try our best to represent them well. Um, but yeah, so it's good that you're getting that 900. That's going to be the next gen. That's part of the, 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 that's part of a really strong future that, that Yamaha has in bringing that triple along. And I, I think that you know, probably what you're saying right now is is truly the first evolution of of things to come. You know, later on, I would say over the next three and a half to five years, I think you're going to see an evolution with that particular power plant. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I rate Barry. Um, he's the dude that owns Moto United out in Salt Lake City area. Um, he's, he asks, uh, to go off the hospitality thing with the OEMs, why is it that Yamaha is all in internationally with the other Yamaha teams? I don't know. I don't understand what that means, but. With hospitality? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, when we were in World Superbike, you got to admit, the hospitality was pretty impressive. Yeah, well, when, back when, um, I think it's been about four years now. But when Yamaha used to have their hospitality, I mean, they had a whole 53-foot uh, transporter that was dedicated to nothing but hospitality and cooking. And they had three three full-time guys in there uh, cooking and cleaning and washing. Uh, and it was welcome to uh, anybody that had Yamaha support or needed to take a meeting or needed to speak to the figureheads over there um, in the racing department, which would have been Keith McCarty, Jim Roach, and uh, Tom Halverson. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have that anymore in the paddock. I mean, Richard at Attack has a small um, uh, hospitality area that, that uh, he takes care of uh, mostly his his direct his employees and, and then uh, some family members and some sponsors and stuff like that. We have a, a Wing Warrior Club, which is a, um, a, a fan club. Um, but, you know, close friends and stuff come over and eat some hot food or some cold food, whatever barbecue uh, what, what have you but no i mean yamaha doesn't have per se a, a whole hospitality deal and and if we're being honest uh if there was a need for it uh and there was a return on it i think we would uh we would see hosp more hospitality rigs in the uh in the paddock for manufacturers most of the people 
that I think you know you can admit this. Most of the people that were in that Yamaha hospitality area, um, we saw most of them in the pit boxes, uh, you know, afterwards, or the guys from Brembo, or or you know, Matt from Olin's, or guests of this person, or Safagalu was in there eating, you know, with Top Rack all the time because he's Top Rack guy. And um, you had the Yart guys in there with the, uh, you know, with with Mandy and and uh, Kenepa and uh, Marvin Fritz and all those guys. So yeah, there, there really were, a, you know, Eve Kayla was in there for the R three Cup stuff, oh, right? Dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we got to hang with all the of other them. One. Remember, they had the one that did the six hundred guys, and then the, or no, they did the junior six hundred junior cup, and the R three Cup were in the one right next to us. Yeah. So I walked in there the first time. I'm like, man, this one's bitching too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the official Yamaha one was pretty amazing. I mean, it, oh, it know, was great. It was like great. I mean, semis kind of connected into a building. Barista there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I talked to them in there and they're, they're in there full time, man. Like they're yep. in their dark 30 cooking breakfast, dude, all yep. the way to dinner. Yep. So, um, pretty crazy life that those people live. And, you know, I mean, I, I talked smack to, to Richard about this, you know, because um, the a factory Yamaha team, they have, um, they have a full-time cup of tea guy. So I was like, sure Richard, do. you know, I'm learning how to make tea, you know. Uh, should we call Tom, get some budget, you know? I'll be the t- cup of tea guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, it's not happening. Um, Ed's waiting for one over at my place. Oh, he's yeah? Chuck, of course uh, he is. Of course, Sully's uh, waiting for a cup of tea guy exactly. on the team. That's you, basically, right? Because absolutely, it is. Like you're not the, like you don't, like you're you're kind of like uh, your role on the race weekend isn't really like a nuts and bolts kind of guy, right? Like you're the. Uh, not anymore. It's not. Yeah. So I just get in the way if I do that shit. I mean, there's yeah, companies within the companies within the company. You know, I mean the. It pays to go there and learn to try and put some blinders on and do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you should mention that because we had a bit of a uh, restructure last year and we're going to keep on working on that this year. And most of the restructure actually is me getting more done outside of the track in preparation for the track. Okay. Um, that was really tough um, the past two years because we didn't have anybody at the shop. But... Uh, Things are a lot better this year, and I think we'll be even more prepared for this coming year, especially when it comes... I mean, I, I have plenty of time to do whatever I need to at the at the track. I sure like being involved in all the nuts and bolts and having a poke around because I, there's nothing on the team that I haven't done in regard to at some level, with the exception of the, the electronics, of course, but, you know, engines and chassis and fabricating and stuff like that. So, it's, I mean, it's difficult to let that go, um, but I'm not... I mean, I, th- I think I could do any one of them again if I went back and wanted to try it, but that's not how a good team works. A good teamwork has a player for each station, and they stick to that station unless something goes up in flames. So I'm starting to learn a lot more about that, too. So Well, you know what? I, there's something else I want to talk about really quick. I'm just going to full-on tangent. You've been in the sure. paddock for a minute. Um, I got news earlier... Um, about Stig Peterson, the yeah. old Olin's guy. Did you've been around for a minute? Did you ever work with him? Like, 
The dude had a little yeah. shop called PPS in Orange County, yeah. but I guess yeah. he was like the Olin's guy for a long time. And <laughs> Stig you know. was Stig was the Olin's guy forever. He was the original gangster. Yeah. And um, he uh, back in the glory days of of AMA, you know, he did suspension for everybody, or at least could go get valving and hard parts from people. Yeah, and it was it was uh, Pedersen Performance suspension you know yeah um and uh pps he used to drive around in a, in a small uh, uh box truck all the time yeah but like when i worked for dutchman racing and some of the older teams you know those guys were all using all and stuff so he would do valving form and things of that nature um and then when kind of when Owens usa came about um he still went and did his own thing and then they had contract labor and then in the very end man stig went and worked there in um in North Carolina. Oh, really? Uh, I was up there years ago, because um, they're not that far from me. I was up there years ago, and he was there, and same old, very polite, very quiet, very direct kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and then a few years back, I went, a few years after that, I went back to see him, and he had slowed down a little bit more, and was basically there killing time, and he was just kind of like a fixture at, at the place. Mm. And uh, I went on Facebook today, and Brian Stokes, uh, I'm sorry, Brad Stokes, um, had a picture of him and Stig as his cover, and then below it somebody said prayers, and I was like, hmm, no shit. So then I just did a little search, and it said that Stig had passed. I don't, I'm not sure how he passed, but um, hopefully it was something that uh, was was painless and peaceful. You know, that guy brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people uh, through his uh, his work, and he was just one of those guys um, that was very quiet and very. Um, polite had a lot of integrity and honest yeah yeah the guy you know? you know i mean i was in my 20s when i worked with stig you know like i've been mm -hmm. racing for a long time like you know glutton for punishment i guess you could say but right. i mean i can remember i think the last time i worked with him was like 2004 or something crazy yeah and he did um i think he did olin's shock and forks cartridges or something on my suzuki right. 600 all those years ago right Right. And the one thing I remember about him is that um, he was just super direct and honest with me and didn't, like, try to sell me something no. above no. what I needed. No. Because there was certainly other stuff I could have done. And he's like, no, man, this is all you need right here. This will be fine. And I don't remember how much it was. But, you know, he didn't actually go to the races back then, club races at Willow or anything like that. But – he made himself available, so he's like, "Look, right. if you having trouble? If you, you know, call me. You know, when you ride the thing, call me." And I mean, I could call him from trackside, and no matter what he was doing, he would answer the phone. I don't, you know, it'd be right. like Friday afternoon, and he would answer the phone Saturday. You know, so well, he was truly. A, I mean, that was a that guy was a real service provider, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. he could pick the part, mount the part, tune the part, charge it for the part, reorder the part. He could do it all. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore with most businesses of, or most, most places of business or. You mean he's, he was not the suspension guy that said, Hey, buy this from me and you'll go two seconds faster. Right. Like that happens a lot at the, at oh. the, through the suspension guys at the club level, yeah. you know, and I'm pretty sure it probably happens cross country. Right. So. It does. People, 
uh, when they come in the transporter and we give tours and stuff like that, I open up a suspension drawer and there's like four steering dampers in there, six boxes of shims, like all these suitor tuning parts, like all this shit. Everybody's like, man, you guys have all that stuff. You must be constantly changing. I go, never. <laughs> we use the same setting all the time, but you got to have it all in there, you know, uh, to, to, um, just in case something comes up, but yeah, that, I can't stand any of that bullshit with it's going to make you two seconds a lot faster. I think if you're at a track day and someone just shows up on their street bike or a brand new track bike that they built, of course, there's going to be something to set in the balance on it and, 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 you know, setting the rebound and the preload and stuff like that, especially if you have some good components. So, yeah, I could see making a two-second a lap difference, but nobody's going to come in and make any of the top 15 guys go two seconds a lap faster. I mean, you could put you could put the, anybody on my bike, and, and I, you know, if there's a guy that's finishing 10th now on his bike, he's probably still going to finish 10th on my bike. Yeah. There's so much of it now that is that is the... That is the rider. I mean, look, I, I, I joke about this. You know, I got I got like a 20-minute session on the attack bike. And yeah. I went slower than I went on a street bike on it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I was also uh, deathly afraid of being murdered by the genius himself. You know what I mean? So there sure. was a little bit of that pressure, too. Like, I wasn't there to set the world on fire or anything like that. I just wanted to ride the thing and experience it, you know, and... Uh, but, like, top-level guys, shit. Like, I mean, if you're capable of winning, you should be able to win on that bike, you know? I mean... I agree. It, it, two, two guys, two different guys have won championships on that bike for the last three years. Yeah, you know, and if that, we're not careful, three and four might be coming up, so... I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's a definite possibility. You know, the skipper's over there working hard to make sure that that continues, right? Yeah. So, um, that being said... We were talking a little bit earlier about uh, before we talk about rules and racing and crap. Um, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, that you guys started doing this like superbike council. Do you want to well, talk a little bit about year. This was it last year? year? I got it together, yeah. So what? Talk, talk a little bit about the superbike council. Richard talks about it quite a bit. Um, I guess it's the superbike team owners kind of thing. Yeah. So. Rich and I, for about four years, maybe even five now, have been kind of talking talking about it and trying to get people on the same page. And uh, it, it seemed, it, well, it, especially, again, through the Yamaha Racing Network, we can see things that a lot of other people can't see. So we have an excellent uh, light at the end of the tunnel to look at, if you will, as to how things are supposed to be. And then, yeah. of course, Rich has the experience from the CRT stuff and the experience from World Superbike from doing the wild cards. Yeah. So he's dealt with both of those. Excuse me. He's dealt with both of those um, uh, technical bodies as well as far as the rules and and the, the ins and outs of the paddock. So he has some good experience in dealing with those people, especially uh, Dorna and the people uh, with the FIM. So we always said, well... In World Superbike, you can do this. In World Superbike, you can do this. In MotoGP, you can do this. In MotoGP, you can do this. And it got frustrating because some of the little things, you, you know, they keep saying, oh, well, we want we want you guys to, we want, we want to be the next step to the World Championship. Well, I think we can be that, but we need to get there with the rules uh, technically first. And now we're really close. 
uh, to the rules uh, within the World Championship. Um, and and a lot of it, the, 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 a lot of what's going on right now with the racing, uh, in my opinion, uh, people cry about money a lot, but I, I think it's more, instead of money having things in order and running a proper program and figuring out which direction to go is almost more important um, than, than, than the assets, uh, I hate to say. So, you know, Richard and I thought about all this cool stuff and, you know, the, you know, the, the whole transmission thing and all this other shit. And, um, but then the reality of it is to get everybody's, you know, so people feel they're included in stuff. Let's get everybody's beak wet at the same time so everybody can have a taste. So, you know, YMUS, again, Yamaha Racing has a, a travel agent that they use, a uh, motorsports guy, and Rich uses him, and Rich talked to him, and he's like, hey, if we open this thing up, will this help you? And he's like, Ab absolutely. So we opened it up to all the premier teams and, um, and said, look, if you guys want to get on this deal and book rooms with us, and maybe get some buying power in. Maybe we can buy out a whole hotel, or at yeah. some point, go to America can, and we can jimmy the rate around or whatever. We just want to start building some consistency with that. So there was the deal with uh, 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 with, with boarding, uh, which we have certainly jumped on, and I think there's some other teams. Rich said seems like are, are jumping on that. Then there also now is is testing. So uh, for us, the best testing method uh, is to test with your peers unless you have some double dog secret shit you don't want anybody else to see which isn't the case so obviously the weather out there in california is most of the time far better than it is here in georgia year round uh and you guys have button willow and a few tracks out there so we jumped on the on the attack train where richard goes hey this is what the ambulance is going to cost this is what this costs. this is what that cost and in the past he's been gracious enough to um for us to have fuel delivered to his shop, tire delivered to his shop, and then he delivers it out to Button. Um, whereas this year, we'll bring the transporter out and it'll stay out for the year, and that's where we're going to do probably 95% of our testing. And I think some of the other teams will end up joining us too. I know that uh, M4 um, did something with with those guys at the the, the very uh, first test off season, and then um, uh, Titlers uh, one and two did something, uh, and then there may have been somebody else too. Maybe Aussie Dave will do something with us this year. But oh, cool! So I think it, if you can afford it, <laughs> if you don't go to track days, this is an excellent excellent thing to do. I've actually talked to some guys and said, hey, if you want to put your stuff, you know, a bike and a couple of pieces in our truck when it goes across, it'll be out there all winter. But you can have the opportunity to test, and I think a lot of people don't. They just think it costs a bazillion dollars. All this, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter if you're finishing 20th or 1st, it all costs a bazillion dollars. So, right. Um, but I think it's the opportunity to, 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 um, to possibly buy things in power. Um, again, the most consumables are obviously the travel and stuff like that. The other thing is, is uh, if Moto America wants an opinion of something, then we can give them an opinion poll. I know they did that with some of the things in the rule book and uh, some things with parking and some of the other uh, smaller challenges we have uh, within the series for all of us. So I think the group is pretty much there for everybody to listen to. Um, I wish during the meetings that uh, more people would speak up because you have sidebars afterwards where people go, well, that guy didn't, that really wasn't what he thought. And I said, well, 
Why didn't he say that? Fucking grow a pair and say something. I mean, if yeah, I don't understand. You know, most everything is to a vote. even if it's just an opinion poll, it's to a vote that we can hand the results and if people don't feel like they're being heard or that I'm talking too much or Rich is talking too much or whatever, then stop the sentence and by all means, say your piece. You know, when we start a meeting or something like that, not everybody's eager to talk. So I think you find that in most places that you, that that's you life. go. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. how life that's is. You know, I want to see a real change. I want to make a real change. And I feel that people are listening to us. And they're listening to us with one or two voices versus going and having a five-second or five-minute peck with every team owner and manager in the in the paddock. I think that's important too. But if you can get to the meat and the potatoes, I think I think it will help. Everybody's going to learn something from everybody from every team, whether it be packing or unloading or how you plug in data or how you put rear wheels on or a method to clean. Or there's always going to be something you're going to learn, right? From the top to the bottom and and back. So, right. No, I think it's been really, it's been really good. I think some of the things and the ideas that I have are a bit lofty, but that's okay. Why not? Lofty, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, look. I mean, we could talk about the superbike rules. I mean, I, I saw the changes for twenty three. Yep. You know, um, I think you guys are going to be able to change the gear ratios and the transmission, uh, mm-hmm. but you got to pick the ratios for the season. Right. 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 So. You guys going to do that? You guys going to change transmission a little bit? I don't know. I mean, I'm not... Uh, if, if, if it was right here today and we had to put our documentation in, I would have to say that I'm about 99% sure that we will use a standard gearbox. Now, what I would like to do is there are there is a gearbox company out there uh, who in England who is making uh, close ratio transmissions. Oh, so far, with our technical people doing the math, it doesn't look like it's going to be as good as what we have now. Oh. So, you know, for that, you know, we're going to have to redo strategies and everything if we do all that stuff from track to track, from corner to corner, from lap to lap. Right. Which get us, gets us further back on our on our back foot. Um, and, and we don't want to do that. We're making good progress right now. So I think we'll probably end up running a standard transmission. I mean, ultimately... It'll be my decision to say, yeah, we're going to buy this or no, we're not going to buy that. But I, I'll be in on the decision. But again, we have essentially three people uh, behind the scenes and they match all the notes together, present them to Ed. And then Ed makes a call and presents it to me in regard to gear ratios and stuff like that. So what I'd just like to see is a, a custom transmission with our ratios and then just maybe lighter, you know, um, but it's difficult to ask a transmission place um, to just go, hey, you know, can you just make some new brooches and just give us this, this, this. We're going to sell a bunch of them. How many is a bunch? Ten. Mm-hmm. They're going, uh, no. <laughs> right. So, you know, most, so everybody, basically, most of the you, tracks in Europe and everything, the gear ratios are pretty set. They all pretty much use the same gear ratios, you know. Oh. They all use kit boxes. <laughs> okay. And then uh, you're going to do the, uh, the, the fancy neutral lockout shift drum? Yeah, yeah. When it was pretty funny, dude. When I first told Rich about that, he's like, "Whatever." And then I said, "Here it is. I got it." And he's like, "Ooh, let's have a look at that. <laughs> that thing's yeah. bitching." And and I always thought about it because of the problems that we had that Rich worked out a long time ago by you in using first gear. Mm-hmm. And, and most every rider we had, with the exception of the late great Wolverine, people always had problems 
going from second to first. So we avoided it like the plague. <laughs> and and um, and now that we have a better control on that and the rider does and, you know, we got our shift geometry down, the shift timing and the this and the that and working hard on the electronics, things are, are working much better. The, sh the shift drum will still definitely help and it'll be incremental. Although it won't be night and day, but you put everything together and it'll be night and day. And then uh, the I think the last thing I saw was... Um... You know, basically, it's like they're doing a great job, Motor America, trying to trying to make it close to um, World Superbike, basically, right? Uh, um, I agree. You know, I, I think they're doing yeah. a great job with that. I, you know, I, I don't know exactly what – I think, what, did you guys get, like, 14 tires or something allocated? We're getting 14 this year, which is which is down. Okay. Um, Save you know, people a little bit of money? Yeah, if that's what you're – I mean, look – if that's what the mob says, if the mob says, I don't want a tire rule, honestly, it, I, I think it should be, if you want 50 tires, buy 50 tires. Who cares? I, I wouldn't do that, and I'm not going to spend my sponsor's money like that, but I think there's some times when you're trying to get something worked out that you got to have more rubber, you know? Hmm. Sometimes you leave and you have four extra stickers. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. We've never left the track with four extra stickers, but... Um, yeah, I think uh, if people are, are if people feel that two sets of tires by not paying for them will really help them, uh, then so be it. Um, I, once you get to a certain place, the I'm not saying that spending come becomes irrelevant. Yeah. But you got to kind of pick your poison. You know, we had a situation this year uh, where something happened. I mean, I'll admit it. I made a mistake. I, I made a, I made a, I made a twelve or fourteen thousand dollar mistake. And um, shit. Well, I was shitting. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I said, "Well, I'm taking this out of my pocket." Um, oh my god. Whatever. Trig, Trig's not paying for it. I talked to Rich and I talked to a bunch of people, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened." Holy shit. What the and fuck did I you do? Um, you can tell us. Yeah, no, I will. I mean, there was something that is typically taken in in there's in in within our sponsorship. There's certain things that are written in, in the contract, and there's other things that aren't written. And the things that aren't written usually just happen without fail. And this year they didn't happen without fail, and mm. so it really I overspent. Now in the end. The company shall not be named, and the person who fixed it all shall not be named, but they are heroes, and um, they're amazing people. So it, it was fixed, but and, and, and the, the budget was covered. But my direct boss, who is a, a businesswoman who, who runs Westby Racing for Trig, uh, pretty much said, hey, you need to calm down. And yes, it's a lot of money, but to a certain extent, that's a cost of doing business. You know, we've been very fortunate, uh, Dustin. We haven't had any tractor trailers, you know, jackknife or come apart or flip over on the road. We didn't, never had any trucks blow up. Uh, catch we fire. Never had it, like, catch on fire and burn to the ground. I mean, all that stuff can happen and, and everything, but we've never had anybody steal our tools. We've never lost a canopy in a storm like that. Um, so we're we're... We're, we're very fortunate. Um, 
but but yeah, to, so to get back and there I go wandering off again in conversation. That's great. Like, how about it? Yeah, no, I know it, it's kind of dumb. But so at any rate, like, I'm not saying that that six hundred or six hundred and fifty dollars or 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 maybe eight hundred dollars will change the course of someone's race program for two sets of tires. It it might that weekend. Right. But in the grand scheme of things, it it probably won't. And I'm not saying, look, we have good budget. Richard has good budget. We know how to spend the budget. We're pretty creative with it. So we're lucky. We're the lucky ones. And I don't think it would, all this shit was gifted to us. When, when I first started doing this for Trig, he didn't say, oh, here's a blank check and do what you want. It's it's all been set through trust and results and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. I, and, and, and I think money could be spent better in better places. Um, but, you know, the other thing about racing is, is it's kind of an individual, like every team has their own ideas on how to do everything. And they can yeah. all vary a little bit. But. I, I mean, look, know. racing in America, you know, you guys are traveling, you're towing, you know, tugging the rig across country multiple times, right? Up and down mm -hmm. the coast, of the East Coast. And then, you know, a couple times on the West Coast, um, you know, the biggest expense, I mean, I've talked to Richard and even, even Melly, you know, she, she does it herself, like kind of in a toy hauler that right. their family lives in basically. And, um, you know, the biggest expense obviously is the travel because, you know, you, you top teams, you got to fly in this whole crew and all that, like, you know, the hotels and stuff adds up. So you know, a couple sets of tires in the greater scheme of things, I, you know, a couple, couple rear tires isn't really put a dent in the budget, but, right, not, you know, but that Superbike Council thing, if you guys can make the hotels a little bit cheaper, dude, right. that could put a huge dent, right? Right. Right. So. I, I, I feel it will, and, and I feel with that, there could be some other applications where this type of thing could assign itself to and not you know oh, not sure. everybody has to be part of all of this you don't have to do anything right it's all a total volunteer at will type of thing right um so i think there could be some really good things to start to come of it i think the testing thing yeah for a guy who used to test at track days with a bunch of other people on the track. That's how we started doing it a long time ago. That was great in the beginning. And then it got worse and worse and worse because it turned into a show because you guys were, you know, the Matthew or Dane or Josh Day or anybody who rode for us, they're all so much faster than anybody else there. It turned into be a, a circus sideshow. And then a lot of times it's really hard to, to get good work done. Right. So. Now, most of the top teams to get really good work done need to rent a track somewhere. Well, not everybody can do that. I mean, we can bear, you know, we got to buddy up with someone. But if a bunch of us can buddy up for three or four tests, that would really help everybody. I mean, you can take any four teams that you want and bring them to a track day. And I think the money that you're going to spend there will be money well spent because you're testing with your peers. Right. Tell me what traffic is going to be in the way. Whatever hardship the number one plate has, the number 25, the number 11, or whoever else is going to have, in my opinion. 
you know, um, you're going to have open track time generally most of the time or an hour on an hour off. Um, you know, you're going to provide your own insurance and all that stuff adds up and everybody goes, well, shit, how much is it a day? And I says, well, you know, I mean, by the time you're all said and done with it, it could be, you know, five to $10,000 a day for each team with all their help and everything. And they right. say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, I can tell you without testing, we wouldn't be as close to the front as we are. So again, it's, you can do this out of a pickup truck with two guys, you know, and, and you can probably do it quite well, but you better not have any problems. You know, that's when you're going to need a tractor trailer full of shit and a crew and all this other stuff and, right. and blah, 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 blah. So, but getting back to the Moto America thing, I think those guys are, are right now are, are making, I talked to one of the head honchos over there and I said, how's everything going? I said, it's been a while. I haven't heard anything. Not that they need to report to us, but they said, no, a lot of good things are happening and we're, we got plenty of stuff going on and we're really looking forward to kicking off the new year. And whenever I hear something like that, right before Christmas and new year's gets me pretty excited. Cause generally they're like, Oh my God, please just let this season, let this year end. And you know, give me two I mean, weeks off. look, this season, Moto America started off with the the scammer sponsor, right? Like the the sponsor that wrote a blank a uh, hot check joke. or something. What a fucking joke! Yeah, so Sorry, I mean, I gotta call a spade a spade with that. You know, I mean, they're they they ended up with a different sponsor, obviously, but I mean, you know, back in the day, dude, it was like Chevy trucks. You know, like where do we go back to that? You know, like the Chevy trucks. You know, um, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to me, Dustin, because when getting sponsorship isn't easy, I don't care if it's a pair of grips or no superbike championship. <laughs> but I wonder if, you know, as a whole, as Moto America or whoever it is, do we are we asking too much money? Do we not have a good enough show? Are the TV numbers not good enough? Is the racing not good enough? Well, I think we've got great racing. Um, the best racing, unfortunately, is not in Superbike. Hopefully, it will be this year, but it, it's not in Superbike. I would say it's probably the Twins class. But I would really love to know, I would love to sit in a meeting, if you will, and just listen to what people want out of sponsorship. The people who are giving the sponsorship. And I have found... Um, Gathering support over the past three or four years to be utterly horrible. Really? Very, very difficult. Um, this, the product sponsors that we have have stuck with us through thick and thin, and that's been wonderful. And they've all jumped through hoops at one time or another for us, and some of them constantly. But it's very hard to find um, any liquid money. And we've had some really good packages. Um very affordable and sometimes the people go well we know what it takes to run that team and this is all we can give you so it's not worth it to just give this and it's not you know they there's all these terms and conditions and what a lot of it sounds like to me Dustin is that they're just not interested and I and I I also wonder Again, like I would love to have the statistics for like World Superbike and stuff like that, or drag racing or something like that, where people Dude, can Pat sit down and chips, be right? honest. Like, how much does Pat of Snack Chips pay? Dude, we could get Doritos, like, right? I mean, 
I, you know, I don't know. I mean, this kind of falls into like my uh, one of my partners with the CRA. She asked me to ask you this. Like, you know, she runs uh, she runs the Pirelli thing. Um, uh, she's like a sub vendor for Pirelli out here as well. Sixty one DTC. Her name's Gigi. You may have met her. Um, Gigi has this team that's called Wawa Racing. They named it after her dog. Like, she's got one of those, little, like, wind-up toy dogs, you know, the mm-hmm. little tiny key, teacup, whatever the hell. And um, so that dog's name is Wawa, so that's the name of the race team. And uh, Gigi asked me to ask you, um, you know, how, uh, like, how, how do you find or, or what do you use to grow the money tree to go racing like you guys do? <laughs> and you're telling me that it's pretty tough to find the money tree. It really is. It really is. You know, the money tree, it doesn't matter whether you sprinkle distilled water on it, beer, champagne. I'm not saying it's not out there. But I think that social media as a whole has really helped us and really hurt us. You know, you can see and hear just about anything you want. Right. On social media and uh it, it wasn't that way before i mean you couldn't there's so many outlets to watch racing now everybody goes i love it when somebody goes i can't find that shit or i i you know i don't watch moto america Pl- live plus because of blah blah everybody's always got some excuse yeah. as to why they're not watching and i'm going dude if you cannot catch racing right now you know i was looking for the patriots game this past weekend so Chuck Axelin told me about this site about two years ago, three years ago. It's Local Plus or some shit. And he's like, oh, check it out because Moto America has a, a channel on there. I'm like, yeah, okay. So I checked it out and they're playing all reruns, you know. So this past weekend I said, oh, man, the Pats are playing in Vegas. I'm going to put my zip code in his Vegas, see if I can get the local Fox affiliate to watch the Patriots game. So I'm scrolling through, scrolling through, and what's what's on? In the next two hours, it's Ridge Superbike 1 and 2 from 2022 Wow! on Moto America's free Moto America TV. Nice. Nice. So, And that's not even their most recent one. So, again, you can, I think there's so many places for people to see it for free. And to see it, I wonder, is that part of the, part of the deal? And people are going, well, I don't need to sponsor you because I've got... 55 people dancing with a beer in their hand on a yacht wearing my t-shirt or I don't know. And nobody's had any good answers for me either. I've actually hired a couple of people to, to hunt sponsorship who, who claim lots of greatness, but I don't see anything great happening with any of them. Hmm. Richard's been very fortunate. You know, uh, there's a there's a couple of people questioning in, and you know, going back to the rules and the Superbike Council stuff. Um, Pinky, the user Pinky, asks like, "What's the biggest complaints of the other teams to quote make things equal?" Like, is it we want to? You know, I mean, there was a bunch of rumors and stuff about Superbike class about making it more stock or whatever. Is that is that yeah, what which it is, is total or? bullshit. Is it? I think it's complete bullshit. You can do that, but don't call it Superbike, and I might not race in it. Yeah. Well, I know I know the skipper was saying that he's not going to do it either. So No. no. Um, I'll be, I'm not saying it's... Look, as long as there's racing, 
I'm probably going to race in something, some class. But I want to be in a class where the whole team is challenged. And the next best class to do that in right now is the twins class. Right. I mean, the thing's wide open. You can do more shit in that class than you can in, in Superbike to, to an extent. But, ah, gosh, you know, different people have different, different complaints and different needs. It's funny that she should say that because some of the things that I complain about and I really bitch about a lot are such small potatoes to other people. You know, but yeah. again, I think, I think Pinky that people would talk about, they really would. They talk about the price of tires. Uh, they would talk about the price of hotel room. They would certainly talk about the price of staff because it, it, the price of staff is one thing, but the price to get the staff to where they need to be and, and the price to, to lodge them is, I mean, Dustin, the airfare is incredible. You know, when you talk to people who know the business, they go, go ahead and make your airline reservations because they are not, we promise you, they're not going down. We promise you. And it's like, oh, shit. Right. You know, it's so, so I think crazy the liquid, that... the liquid, for people to come out of their pocket with liquid, for, with liquid money, I think, for, for some of the things is, is really probably quite the most difficult. I mean, what you're saying is totally true. I mean, what's weird is, you know, when we were in Europe, dude, Lily and I flew... And we got the tickets the night before. We flew on some shitty airline fueling for, I think it was like a hundred bucks for the both of us to fly from uh, Barcelona to Sevilla. And uh, I was like, man, I've never even heard of this airline before. But, and, and, you know, we didn't know what terminal to be in until 10 minutes before the flight was supposed to board. But hey, you know, it was like, uh, I heard that I guess it, about Europe, though, that that's for the oh, course. dude, it was like... I, I'm uh, totally wrong. I'm not a well-traveled man in Europe. Yeah, I mean, that airline was... I guess uh, the locals were describing it as sort of like the the spirit airlines of Europe. Sure. sure. <laughs> Except they actually got you there, you know? I mean, it was easy. It was cheap, and rental cars yeah. there were super cheap. Hotels there were super cheap. I'm like, what's going on? What's the catch, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, dude, I mean, I, I live in California, man. Like, when we were in you know Portugal... What? The, you know what the catch is, Dustin? I think the catch is the um, freedom the taxes, the taxes yeah. in all those places. Yeah. If you're a resident, pretty right. sure everybody's taxed pretty heavy there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, but even fuel. I mean, even even gasoline there was a, a little bit less than it is here. You know, when we were there. So I'm like, hmm, what's going on there? So right. Um, <laughs> I'm Canfield. I think it's Canfield asking if. Giacomoto is going to race Twins Cup in 23. Uh, to an extent, they will again. We built and prepared and maintained Blake Davis's stuff. Oh, nice. And uh, Giacomoto's program uh, will be expanded this year. Um, I can't say who it is, but I have somebody uh, who's going to run a team for us. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, single rider, uh, obviously, on the championship winning Yamaha R7. Nice. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really excited about that to add another full-time, um, rider to the, uh, to, to the grid and to, uh, to take up space and spend all kinds of money on budget. So yeah, um, we will definitely be there. I, my company will not be the title sponsor. It'll be, it'll be an affiliate sponsor. Uh, but essentially, yeah, there's a guy that I've been wanting to work with for a while, technically, um, who wanted to partner up and do something. And it was a great opportunity uh, for the both of us, and it was an even better opportunity uh, 
for the rider that we had available as well. And I think those guys will probably make an announcement after the first of the year. Um, nice. But um, we're going to be doing some more testing and uh, feeling really good about it. You know, we have a year, a little under a year uh, under our belt with this motorcycle now. Uh, so we're going to start refining things. And with the refinements, I think the bigger gaps will come and the, a lot more performance will come uh, from the bike as a, as, a, as a whole unit versus just one segment of it. Nice. I mean, look, I, I saw the testing schedule. You know, I'm I'm like the uh, timing. I'm Richard's timing and scoring bitch on the, right. on the on the tests. So I get mm -hmm. to kind of get a look at what's going on. And I was there at that Dunlop test, and you know, I I saw what's going on, dude. So yeah, you know, you you guys are pretty much gonna do the button willow thing with us this year. Yeah, absolutely. Nice, because dude, I I gotta think that was helpful. I mean, I saw Matt come out. Of, Kate, and he was like super fast from the jump from texas he was like ready to rock and roll right so i gotta think the testing kind of had something to do with that that the testing had well i couldn't put a number i couldn't put an accurate number on it because i think other people on the team might argue the fact because there were some other some changes made other places but for sure for matthew the we would forego other things on the team before we for before we forewent the testing out there. Wow. And again, I don't know that it's that track or that weather or I don't think it matters. I think it matters to test with your peers. Right. And where Matt is exceptionally close to those guys, he can put plenty of pressure on himself or none at all. And you can see what's happening in front of you right then and see how you stack up for the last few laps in the last day. Everybody usually throw a sticky in or something like that and give it a little bit extra of a push. Uh, all three of those guys are generally pretty close, albeit Jake has generally got a little bit of a jump on everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you saw know, the time. usually an extra three or four tenths in them all the time. You, you saw the time at the button will attest, right? Yeah, yeah. He fucking did a 40. Like what? Mm -hmm. Who does a minute forty at Buttonville on a motorcycle? Jake Onya yeah, does. I think, I think more guys could if they um, had the mindset that Jake does, and uh, he he uh, it comes to different people different ways, and he just has a certain chi about him. You know, it's I think the difference is Jake's, and I could be very wrong, but. It seems like Jake's deal is very methodical where feng shui comes in, you know, and <laughs> just rivers are, you know, he doesn't have a rushing river. He, he, you know, he's more of like a, of a babbling brook, if you will. Everything's very calm and peaceful and easy. And if you go over to what we think where Cameron is going to be, Boubier, we would assume that he's going to be with Titlers, but we hate to assume that. I mean, he was yeah. on it at the test. Yeah, I mean, they and haven't done an official announcement or anything like that. But, you know, that guy, everybody goes, well, he's going to be right up front. And Richard and I were like, oof. But even if those guys are really good and really strong, even if that motorcycle isn't 100% of the way there, or there as much as a Yamaha R1 is, that Cameron will will it to happen. Like... 
he's still going to be able to do exceptional things even on a bad day. Right. And that's what makes a really great rider. So that's what that's what I want to see for, for, for more of us in the paddock is that a, a bad day is just a couple of tenths. Right. It, it doesn't destroy the whole weekend, you know? And, right. And I think, uh, you know, the guys on my team had a point. They're like, you know, you need to be cool, maintain your composure. And the peaks and valleys, you know, let, let them level themselves out. And I think you're going to see everybody be more consistent, especially Matthew. You know, Matthew really deserves – Matthew's had an awful lot of opportunities with this team. And we've kept him around a really long time. But we've kept all of us around a long time. And Trig has. And, uh, you know, every year is a make or break year. But I think it may have taken a lot of us or all of us as a whole this long to kind of figure out where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And uh, we had a lot of really uh, good ideas going into the off season of things we wanted to change. And then when we got to really looking at them and looking at time, there were a lot of things that I personally was lacking in the program to make everybody's job a little bit easier. So instead of having some whiz-bang new part somewhere on the bike that will take three weeks to develop, we may forego that part and I may just work extra hard to make sure that the utility parts that the guys need are, 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 are better fit and ready, um, that the preparedness is a bit better and ready. You know, Matthew's always had to ride through some kind of a deficit at some hmm. point in the season. The team has always had to deal with some kind of deficit at some point in the season. And I'm not going to jump on the sword. I can't think that, you know, I manage a thing. So the good and the bad has to has to start somewhere. And just like any other human being, I mean, I'm capable of a failure or a bad day or anything like that. So I think with me trying to become more consistent, I think that's going to be the key to everything. Um, and, uh, like, I'm not even concerned about mid You know, if you look back through our years, you can see mid-season lulls all the time. Yeah. You know, it usually starts at Elkhart and goes for two or three rounds. <laughs> I have, and, I have, uh, I actually have this in my notes, man. Like, I actually. Yeah. No, it's dude, true. I, I mean, nobody knows dude, that I went and looked me. at the finishes, you know. I mean, he started out strong at Coda. He got a couple of seconds. Road Atlanta, he got a second and a DNF. I don't know if he crashed or. He did. Like, he tipped over. And then VIR, a couple of seconds. Road America was the highlight. Obviously, he got a win, but the second race, he got eighth. Luckily. Like how, how do you go from winning to eighth? And then, and then, you know, there's like the mid season slump. I don't know if it's exactly fair to call it a mid season slump, but yeah, I mean, he, he went from P2 and winning to fourth and fifth and, you know, um, at Laguna, he was fifth, he finished fifth, but he was on pole. So like, what's your, what's your plan to get Skultz like more consistent or, I mean, I know you guys changed data guys last year. Are you guys sticking with the same data guy? Like, what, you know? To a certain extent, yeah. We'll actually be, be beefing up our, our electronics this year where we're going to have, um, instead of one set of eyes on everything, we're going to have three sets of eyes on everything. Really? Okay. Um, and, and I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to start being a little selfish when it comes to that stuff. Okay. When I say a little selfish, some of the people that used to, 
who constantly came to us for help with things, we're not going to be able to help anymore uh, simply because of a time constraint. And um, the other thing is, is we've gotten some help from some people and it's time to show them to make something out of the help that they've given us along the way. Hmm. And in, in regard to Matthew, you know, uh, I'm certainly not going to put Matthew on a pedestal because he doesn't deserve to be on one. He's just okay. a he's, Well, no, he's just a guy, <laughs> right? He's like, I'm just going to talk shit about my writer right now, but no, okay. No, 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 I'm, I'm not. I mean, that's just like saying that myself or Trig, you know, the really the only hero on the team is Trig because he's the guy who keeps on coming back for more and doing this. Right. But none of us deserve to be put on a pedestal. But what I'm saying is, is I don't think Matthew, there's only a couple of things that Matthew needs to work on. I don't think he needs to change. Again, I think the biggest part of our consistency were some of the inconsistencies that were happening away from the racetrack that led to the racing event. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm not going to jump on a cross, but if you look... And we have well, you are the team boss guy, so like you kind of got to... Right? Right. right. Buck kind of started... I mean, the buck kind of ends with Trig, but I mean, you know, like you're the team boss, so... The right. shit's on your shoulders, right? Right. That's Fair right. Enough. That's right. So if you look at some of the problems that we had, and then, you know, you look at the fire and you look where it got lit off, it may have gotten lit off two weeks prior when something wasn't done properly at the shop or something got ordered two days late and didn't show up. It showed up two days late and couldn't get tested or like, I'm not taking all the shit and put it on my shoulders. It takes a village, right? Oh, 100%. But ultimately, so I think Matthew will be more consistent if all the players on the team are consistent. That's fair. There hasn't been consistency problems with anybody on the team this year, other than the exception of myself. So... Wow. Wow, I, I, I didn't expect to have you, like, throw yourself under the bus like this. But, I mean, it's real talk, right? So, yep. I mean, you know, we sit here and talk motorbikes. It's real talk. So, I mean. I don't think there's any I any So, so it's not like a magic potion, uh, you know, you're missing a part or something like that. It's more like, you know, being more consistent on the prep side. So that will allow the rider to be more consistent on track. There's that, and there's also a thing where I'm really good at sourcing and flipping rocks over and finding things, and um, it's one of the things I take most pride in. And sometimes I, I work so hard to get that one thing, I'll run in and be like, here's the rock. And everybody goes, that's awesome, but now we can't use the rock till October. Well, what do you mean? So yeah. I'm depressed because I can't use this new shiny rock for the whole season because I was two days late getting it. Oh, man. So again, I don't think that there's really been anybody on the team who's had. Uh, I just think it, ha it 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 all starts here and it all ends here. So I think if I can offer those guys some more consistency, and I can offer them a little bit more of a calm place to work, the laughter and the funniness is fine. But um, having. A, a mood swing or or uh, becoming irate because something because you hear the wrong sound or something I mean I'm victim of all that stuff as much good as I can do and really help someone out and save their day I mean I can burn the whole fucker down I've never 
tried to do that purposely. I'd never tried to do anything bad purposely. Yeah. But I know that I, I there have been instances where I have. Uh, and the, the thing of it is, is I haven't really done it to anybody else. I've done it to my own being and then it affects my own team. So I'm not saying if I straighten out completely or if I can make magic that the rest of the team will miraculously, we won't have a slump or we won't have ups and downs. But I can tell you that the, the I like things like a gridiron. I like things in your face, explosive plays. <laughs> I like, Football. I like tight ends. I like wide receivers. I like smashing he likes mouths. Tight ends. Tight ends. <laughs> Bob Greasy. <laughs> but it 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 really is more. It's more of a golf situation than it is a football situation. You know, I like the camaraderie and I like gathering everybody's hands and running through a wall of fire. But in the end. The, the guys really have to be quite zenful to get going. So we're going to give them the opportunity to do that this year. I don't think I've really ever given them the opportunity to do that before, whether it be because of stupidity or foolishness or selfishness. I'm not sure. Oh. I don't need attention. <laughs> so, like, okay, uh, there's a couple of questions coming in. You know, sure. I've got some stuff talking about uh, – Matt's complaints with the bike and yeah, go know, ahead, man. Fire uh, away. Like what? Um, like Daniel Goodnight asked, you know, what do you feel Matt's strongest point is on or off the bike? I think we talked about it before, but you yeah, know, his strength um, off the bike is his training and his fitness. His diet is absolutely perfect. His training's fit. He's a he's a an absolute. I think you called him an Adontis one time, and I was like, wow, an Adonis. Bro, yeah, okay. I mean, he has a body of an Adonis for sure. I mean, he he. Um, <laughs> The guy's just got his shit together when it comes to that with his fitness and everything like that. And when it comes to his training, there's second second to none. I would say his strengths on the bike um, are nearly uh, every facet of riding. Um, his recovery needs to be better uh, when there's a mistake or uh. when we're working on something. But again, if you follow the clues backwards, the problem right. started well before he got on the bike. Fair enough. So I think, you know, um, I we've seen some weak parts in Matthew, but I'm not sure that they were all his weakness. So right so now... Like, like, what's your what's your magic... Uh, what, what are you... Um, I'm calling it magic, because, like, it pretty damn near needs that to, to compete against the uh, giant weight of the number one plate with Jake right. Kanye. And, you know, obviously the genius is behind the number 45 bike as well so um what's it going to take to get him up there with jake and you know keep it a yamaha one two three kind of thing all year honestly mental strength and mental strength from everyone again it has to start with me it trickles through like for instance ed's probably the the strongest mental person we have on the team (laughs) he can really block shit out like even good stuff, I'm like, dude, that was good. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, right. um, but the less you, uh, you know, Matthew doesn't respond to uh, data boys. Um, I think Matthew, you know, you got to be pretty selfish in the sport to go far. So when, when it's time for Matthew to be proud of himself, he's proud of himself, you know, in regard to a lap or something like that. 
Dude, I talked to him at Laguna, and he was shitting all over himself. And I'm like, bro, you just got pull. He's like, yeah, but there's no way. <laughs> yeah, like, that was wow, a, dude. I don't see. I think there's something. I mean, we had a couple of technical problems that weekend. Right. But again, I think it, it, it. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on how it's dealt with, and even to the point of of just the way you would walk or talk. I mean, I've been told that, you know, that will affect the way someone looks at something. I, no one expected that lap out of Matthew. And I don't think it was a golden lap. I think it was a lap where he was relaxed and his bike was working well. Uh, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if Matthew, if he were on pole every weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if he <laughs> won races every weekend, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not, I'm not, there's nothing he can't do. Yeah. And when you, you, I think when you futz with things a lot less, you have better luck with consistency, you know? And that's one of the other things that, uh, our bike is really consistent and it doesn't change a lot. And the electronic stuff from this past year, um, having Morelli with us was a really big deal and it made the rest of us so happy and so proud and so okay we got this now nice you know there wasn't enough time in the day i mean we're still we still are behind you know but we're a lot less far behind that's fair so you know what um and i have so much i can talk to you about but like let's talk about your competition for this year uh, sure. obviously there's the giant blue you know the giant blue dick basically that's just like okay this yeah. is us i don't even pay attention to those guys in that right? facet but um, there is uh, obviously there's the Titlers guys. So, you know they're coming yep. on. They're they're kind of getting their shit together pretty quick. You know it was a pretty imp impressive rise this year with yep. them. Absolutely. You know, I believe their team is going to be um, it's going to be Cameron Bobier and then uh, PJ sure. and Corey Alexander. Yep. So I mean I think Corey Alexander is like their third guy. You know. Um, I mean, he won the Stock Thousand Championship. The dude's pretty fast, but man, PJ is PJ is really aggressive. He's coming on strong. He came on strong at the end of the season for sure. And then obviously Cameron Bobier is that dude is a threat to win any time. Basically, doesn't matter what he's riding. So you got that. Uh, you've got uh, unfortunately Petrucci's gone. So you got Heron riding the superbike apparently. So would you know? Um, and then you, I think you've got Escalante. I don't know who the second rider is with M4 no, yet. No, neither do I. Um, but it's shaping up to be a pretty strong season with the pretty deep top 10 even. Yeah. So, like, yeah, uh, you want to talk about some of those guys? Like, what do you think about some of the guys you're well, racing against? Well, uh, they all have uh, an opportunity to, to, to run up front for sure. And I right. think that... Um, Right now, we just got to kind of have blinders on and pay attention to what we're doing and not try and get too bamboozled or don't look over there that much. Yeah. But I would have to say if there's an 800-pound elephant in the room, it's that fucking Titler's group. <laughs> yeah. And I say that with the most, the utmost respect because I like all those guys and there's a lot of talent over there. But I'm like, okay, now the season's got to end now so these guys can stop learning. <laughs> right. Because they're at the point where we were three or four years ago where... 
the, the learning is coming in such a rapid form and it's coming in lumps at a time, you know? Right. I, I, I think they're going to be, um, I think they're going to be a really exciting bunch to, to watch. And, uh, you know, you and I and Rich talked about this, I think at Portimao or maybe uh, some other point, but boy, you really got to look at it, man. You got to, you're going to have to fight pretty good to be in the top five or seven. Right. Don't be wrong. So, I think the usual players, the, the usual players are going to be there. Yeah. You know, but so I, I'm excited. I, you know, I I always go to the comments, and um, I've got I've got a couple of comments from Richard Stamboli himself. Let's hear him. All right. So um, he says that last season you invited Petrucci to your hospitality because he's a quote good guy. Did Petrucci come over? No. What? No. Was he a good guy? Not sure. <laughs> okay. Can't answer that. Follow up to that is uh, is Heron invited to your hospitality this year? And is he a good guy? <laughs> really? You're shaking Rich. your head, bro? You knew I was, you know, I'm like Ron Burgundy over here, dude. I will ask. No, I know. Um, is Josh invited to our hospitality? I would have to say no. Um, but it's not him in particular. I mean, Josh is kind of, I know Richard's had his situations with him and ongoing. And I certainly have from antics on track and stuff like that. Um. The show's not really about Josh Heron. It's not. I have one you more know. question, though. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, he says that uh, Heron said that Richard need, will need to cheat to keep up, basically. Will you be cheating also? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he called him a cheater or something. Like some little, I, you know, I didn't, some little I remark didn't on a podcast. It was like, it was so nothing that, like, even the hosts of the podcast let it drop, like, Nothing. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I to me that shit's laughable, right? Um, because like even the last event of the year, I mean, I'm I'm gonna dust it. I'll, I'll dust it off, but like with the shit with the tires and and putting the sealer on the outside and those, you know, I don't want to say those guys. It was one particular engineer over there, at Ducati, who I don't know if he's there or not anymore, but. Dude, I have seen, I don't want to say I've seen everything that Richard does, because that's just not true, you know. I've been in the in places that most people don't go with him, and, and just like his crew. Right. And I have big eyes, just like everybody else has big eyes. And I would say... For someone who's not a full-fledged member of that team, I would definitely say an affiliate. Our team is an affiliate of of Attack Performance Racing. Um, boy, if he's cheating, I'm dying to figure it out. Right. Uh, I think that, much like a Cam Bouvier, Richard will will things to happen. And he has a certain uh, way about him that 
project certain things and people naturally want to get the gold star on his team. Like I told him as soon as I knew way ahead of time that, that, uh, Peterson was going over there, you know, and I'm, I'm like, fuck me because Richard can build a, he can take a great situation or a poor situation and get the most out of it. Right. And unfortunately for the, <laughs> I say this out of spite because I got a lot of love for Cam, but unfortunately for the rest of us, we have not seen the best that Cam Peterson has to offer, which is a, which is a crying shame. Dude, I think it's coming though. Honestly. Yeah. So I mean, is, but, he's but you so know what? So cool. is, um, I think so is Matthew. I think Jake needs to, uh, will, will Jake, Jake will need to maintain. And I think if Jake is pushed this year, then he'll continue to go faster. Right. Um, but I feel that the whole cheating thing, you know where I've seen most of the cheating go on? From guys who show up and do one or two events a year. Like there was <laughs> always the guy who showed up with a two mil over R6 or a three mil over R3 or two. Or like the guy back in the day. Shit. I actually did a podcast with this dude that uh, years ago he he got caught actually uh, on an AMA weekend running a 750 in the 600 class. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple guys that did that, uh, and they were back in like 20th place. So, um, you know, if if uh, Richard uh, was to was to be cheating, uh, I'm sure it would be something that was so technically advanced that. I'm not saying he would never be caught, but he might be doing something that's gray via a process or something like that in his mind. He just, he loves to be challenged uh, mentally and technically. And, um, dude, the guy, the guy is, uh, honestly, like, I, I'm not saying this because I, I, I know he's might be still watching. I don't know. But, like, I'm actually friends with the guy and he's, he's fascinating to me because his intelligence level is so high. I mean, you know, yeah, he's working on motorbikes, and he's, I think, when I was at the shop last week, he was, like, working on swing arms or something. But you'd be surprised. You would, Actually, you probably wouldn't be surprised. But the dude is, I could stick him, I could stick anything in front of that guy, and he'll figure it out. Like, that dude is an IT guy. Like, that dude, he's, like, he, he's, he basically read the manual and figured out Microsoft Exchange Server. Like who the fuck does that? Like who makes time for stuff like that? Someone so, who, someone who, is, is very much self motivated and, right? Who has AutoCAD stuff? Like the and, dude, three D printer. The dude figured out how to do the three D printer thing and the, like yeah. makes like, I'm parts not now. Away, I'm not taking anything away from Richard. Yeah, but there are more people out there like that. Who are just in in in, in how would one question. cheat in superbike class? I wonder. What's it's that? Superbike. How, how do you cheat in superbike? It's superbike. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, not. I, I laugh at it. I think it's ridiculous because. Hundred yeah, percent. You know, but I think that you know, like Richard said to me, I go, "Oh, hey, I got myself a, a cheapy TIG torch. Yeah, you should start. Yeah, welding." I go, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a break. Yeah, you should. You should start bending metal. You know, you should you should start doing it all. Yeah, Somebody I know says, back in the day we would take a sawzall and cut this off and do that. And he just tries it and does it. And I think people have, you have, you know, it's like an artist. If the sculpture falls on the floor, 
and the, the artist generally won't right. freak out. He'll go, well, I can, I did it once. I can just do it again. So I think he gives himself enough leeway in his mind uh, where he is open to failure. But in the end, because he's so into it, he doesn't. And again, I don't, I think in our sport, he is uh, different. But I feel if he were building boats or if he were designing shoes or if he were a stunt uh, a pilot uh, on, in the Red Bull deal with the biplane. the exact same. He, yeah, he's just uh, that way. This is just his incarnation or yeah. this is just his thing right now. It, it, you know, when his kid starts driving, it might go to something else. I mean, I don't think so. You know so. what I mean? But there I are, don't, I don't there are so. people like that out there. And there, yeah. are, there are some more of them in, in our paddock. They're just at a much lower level. And, and a lot of us are really afraid to take risks. And that's been me. I've been really afraid to take risks personally. Yeah. He's not afraid of that shit. And that's what yeah. makes him... That, that's where, in my opinion, I, he, uh, I enjoy very much working with him because I learn something all the time. Uh, and I wouldn't... I don't want to say he's brilliant, but he doesn't... He, the, My box is small compared to his. Right. You know, he looks at his shop and he goes, you know, he might find something with a number three outlet that he can do versus a pipe vendor or something. I don't know. He sees a use for everything. Right. You know, and he, he can make something out of nothing. And I think it all depends on how you apply yourself. I think the military was a big part of that. He, he speaks very highly about being in the, in the armed forces and he speaks very highly about the, the men that he served with. And he's very proud of that. So, and I think that also uh, takes a part not knowing anything about the service, I don't want to say that I do. Uh, I think that helped make him uh, who he is today as well. So yeah, we we spent a lot of time swapping stories about that. It's fun, um, but yeah, like he was, you know, army ranger officer guy. Like the dude yeah. who's uh, trained. You see how long we talked about cheating though? A millisecond because to me, it's, there, it's there is so... no cheating. Uh, but right. that's you know, there is a commenter that mentioned Andrews. <laughs> oh, Carrie, Andrew. yeah. Um, but you could no. Now look, everything that Carrie was doing, a lot of other people were doing that year. Right. Especially 96 or 98 with GSXR frame. He just got busted because he was just so nobody wanted to see him win. I mean, don't forget when he got Nikki and 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 Pretty over there, right? When he yeah. had Jason and Nikki, he probably didn't have to do that shit, but he did it and those guys fucking destroyed people. Mm. So all it took was one person going, "Hey, check 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 this or check that." And that was in the day where you had deck height numbers from a manufacturer and you weren't allowed to cut anything so all that shit made a big difference now the rules are so it's either you can or you can't you know there is no spec you can cut it to whatever you want or you can't cut it at all period um so you know i think it's it's probably a little bit easier today to to build a, a competitive bike maybe not super bike but a bike by general standards so yeah the, the cheating thing i i wonder if josh said that to just get a rise out of the situation if he, he said didn't, he, though. I mean, he, if he, he did, said it, it kind of meant it. That's I fucking mean, stupid. I think he was kind of joking, maybe. You know how that dude is. Yeah. But you know, he's trying to be funny. But like, sometimes when you try to be funny and you say things like that, or you call somebody like Richard a traitor, um, it's just like a lack of intelligence thing. Because um, you know, yeah, calling somebody like Richard a cheater. I mean, to me. 
I would imagine, I, I don't know, Richard didn't say anything, he, he laughed it off, but I would imagine being called a cheater is about the same thing as being called a, a traitor to him, you know? Um, that dude's nothing but integrity, and so, you know. I looked, I laughed it off, I, I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of dumb, but okay. You know, but yeah, yeah I like when it happened, for, I, my phone was blowing up because people think that we're going to shit on that guy, and I'm like, there's nothing to shit on, dude, like, whatever. No. I guess we'll see when the season starts, huh? No. Um, Josh Heron is a lot like me in some ways. We're our own worst enemies, right? You could probably say that about a lot of people, but I've gotten into a lot of trouble me, by bro. saying like, stupid. I'm not everybody's flavor Kool Aid either. Saying dumb shit, and so is he. So, yeah. um, with any luck, someday he maybe he'll refrain from that. I know that every year I'm getting better and better and getting dumber and dumber. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, I tell you what, you know, the Heron guy, you know, being on the reel, like the guy is on a legit superbike. Like a Ducati thing is a missile and he's got factory Ducati support, you know. I mean, he, he's got the opportunity to, to be a threat if he wants to. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'll buy that. And, and I think that's legitimate and I think you're, you're telling the truth. But what I have is a small block Chevy of road racing, just like the R6 was. It doesn't take a magician to set up the R1. The electronics are the most difficult thing. The bike handles great. There's some very standard settings that work awesome. So when you talk to people about the Ducati, it doesn't matter who it is, dude. Every single one of them, go, even the champions, they go, oh my God, this motorcycle is so difficult to work on. And oh my God, if you thought it did this good, it's horrible here. And it's horrible there. It does this great at this corner. It does this great at this corner. But that, that bike really has some some track favorites and I have to believe that it's not just the V4 you know yeah Josh beat up on everybody on the on the V2 but I gotta say that bike that's not a real road race bike that's a street bike and you couldn't do a lot to it so right I think he made it look pretty easy several times because of the experience that he has and because oh, of some of the lack of experience in that class yeah I'm not taking the championship away from him but this year will be a lot more difficult I mean I think Dude, you know, that people said to me, stacked, just like they said to you, they go, oh I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy, He's right? Superbike, awesome. Dude. He's going to get crushed. <laughs> Superbike, it's so exciting right now. I, I'm just like, I'm looking at the hitters at front, and I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like, has it been this stacked ever? Like, I mean, I'm thinking back, and I'm like, I don't remember it being stacked like this with that level all the no, like, time. Yeah, it's been a it's been a bit. Don't forget, you know, we've been missing the Yosh deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So to get a couple of other bikes back on the grid, really good competitive bikes, like that Ducati's fucking proper, dude. Yeah. All our our Yamaha's are riches are the BMW. The, um, the BMW the BMs are proper. You know? Yeah. And then obviously um, the Suzuki's are still what they are. I mean, you know, it we've yet to see the best of Richie Escalante, I think. Um like I've I've got pretty high expectations for that dude to come out swinging a little bit. Um, I do. I just think he needs, he probably needs uh, a situation to evolve um, uh, around him. Right. Um, again, I don't know the really the inner workings of what goes on in his career or anything like that. I've got some friends that work over there, but I, I think that that motorcycle should probably uh, be doing better than it is. But that's from the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, it's a GSXR, right? It's the winningest, most winningest production bike in motorcycle racing history. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the reality is, 
I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. There is a certain team, the blue team, that is the winningest team in motorsport, period. Attack Yamaha is the winningest team in motorsport for the last three years. Mm. Not like We looked. Richard and I mm -hmm. went through and we're like, shit, more than Formula One, more than, you know, because uh, how many how many teams could say they went out and won 16 out of 19, you know? Well, no, for sure, dude. I mean, that's... For sure. Um, I mean, it, pretty much this year, too. I mean, whenever whenever he didn't fall down, he pretty much won, right? So mm -hmm. um, it's kind of strange to see him fall down as much as he did this year. But, you know, Jake pretty much wins if he doesn't fall down. <laughs> well, I mean, I was <laughs> expecting the same thing's going to happen this year. You know, he's not going to fall down unless he's, unless he's pushing extra hard. And it's up to the rest of us to make him push extra hard. I, I, I mean, I can tell you right now, Matthew will come out of the gate, you know, with flames coming out of his fucking nostrils. and Like, what else is here, right? Like, that's <laughs> like standard. Exactly. That's an average Tuesday night, right? So. Right. No, um, I'm really happy, and I, you, you know who else is, I'll tell you that, I, I think when PJ first started that ride, you know, they said, oh, well, we thought he would come up, have come a lot farther a lot quicker. I think PJ in his mind, and I could be very wrong, but I think PJ in his mind is like, man, I finally got a ride, like, on a really legit team, I don't want to fuck this up, and then... It, when he heard, hey, we might be switching up riders or whatever, you know, like at, at Pittsburgh, dude, is when the when it all went started going good for him. And he was riding really hard, so I think he may have thrown caution to the wind or taken some more chances. But that's what all of us have to, all of us have to do it. The consistency is good, right? But how many, uh, Jake had, what, four zeros this year? At least, yeah. Okay, so... And he still won the thing. So to me, if we have a zero, I'm going fucking whatever. Right. I mean, I'm not. You won't, it's a long wants. season. Y'all have like a million races, dude. It's not right. like back in the day where you got one right. race a weekend. Right. You know, it's right. uh, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, I know. I think you guys are you guys lost VIR from the schedule, right? Right. Is there a replacement for that or? No, no. So it'll be uh, 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 when we were at. At VIR will be at Barber this year, and then um, we'll finish up at, at Jersey this year. Um, and uh, there'll be two two triple headers, which I'm completely against, but it doesn't matter. We're gonna we're gonna do them, and we're gonna make the best of them. It, yeah, it's a personal preference. That's all it is. Um, I mean, you're already there, dressed up. I mean, what the fuck? Exactly. Right. I would have rather seen another whole event. I like being at the race races. I like racing a lot. It's oh, all right. Okay. 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 Yeah, I mean, you know, so Pinky's like better than the Yoshimura and all of the Matt and Aladdin's area. Well, you know, I was saying that, like, right now, the hitters, I mean, you look, you got, you know, you got Cam and, and Jake, you got Matt, you got uh, the three riders on the Titlers team, you got the Ducati, you got the Suzuki. I mean, you know, between the BMWs, Matt, and the, the attack team, I mean, that's... That's six dudes, seven dudes, basically capable of winning any weekend. You know, that yeah. it's been a long time since um, Superbike's been capable of that level of like six, well, seven yeah, dudes capable of winning. That, I think Miguel Duhamel was still racing when that was a thing, right? 
What? The only thing that most of these guys need to get is just a little sniff. Once they get a sniff, it's on. I mean, yeah. now it's like blood in the water. The yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's great for the sport to have more hitters like that because what happens is, um, you know, it gets, you know, even Richard talks about it. If it's the one guy every time and you know he's going to win no matter what, you know, it's just boring and fans fans would rather have the possibility, like in World Superbike, right? Like, you know, this year, I mean, it was like, it wasn't just the Johnny Ray show. It wasn't just the Top Rack show. It was like Top Rack, Johnny, you know, Bautista, obviously, he ended up taking it. But, you know, like you didn't know. You didn't know going to the weekend who was going to win, right? So, um, Again, I think maturity pays off there, and I think that's where myself personally, uh, I haven't been in the right frame of mind. You know, a zero or a fifth doesn't mean that you're out of anything. And right. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Even though every lap and every out is crucial, every weekend's crucial, you need to be complete. Shit's going to happen. Shit's going to break. Guys are going to fall down. They're going to get flat tires. There's going to be red flags. We're going to have bad luck. It happens to everybody. And, right. And if it doesn't happen to you in a season, it'll get you the next season or the season after. Yeah, so I mean, I at, think... Coda, at Coda this year, I got a text message from Jake, uh, like, the first night, obviously. And, you know, he's had bad luck round one two years in a row, and he's like, that's it. I'm skipping round one next year. <laughs> I mean, he's not, but obviously he wouldn't. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the guy's had bad luck two years in a row, round one, but he still yeah. comes away with the thing. So, um, yeah. you know, stuff seems to be working over there. So you were saying that, um, I mean, I'm not going to, like, pin you down on what the hell happened, but I know you changed data, guys. So – your, is yeah. your is the is the Westby crew pretty much staying the same this year? You're gonna keep the. Uh, well, Oliver Hutchinson left us because he's got a commitment with Iconic that's a full time uh, okay. deal, uh, which he loves, and then he also has you know an avocado ranch with his with his significant other. I and did not know that. Yeah, Ollie's got an avocado have, ranch. Yeah, which is an extremely demanding. Uh, position to have. I mean, wow. it doesn't have to be demanding, but then it'll all go to shit and along with your with your nest egg. So he, he couldn't do it. I mean, we were lucky to get two years from him. It was fabulous. We all learned a lot, and he set a standard very high. So we have um, uh, one of his disciples that's going to come work with us uh, on the chassis with Robert Jensen. And, um, you know, in regard to the electronic stuff, um, uh, we will have... Uh, an, an extra uh, team player, which we're not going to announce just yet, um, for no other reason than it's it's it, it's just a big uh, exercise for us. It's a technical exercise right now, so we want to work some of the bugs out of it. But you know, Vito joined us um, uh, starting uh, uh, at the Ridge last year, yeah. and uh, we continued to to do a lot of homework and stuff like that. Um, and and, uh, and he'll work uh, you know with us in some capacity. Um, this coming year and like I said we'll have an, an extra person at the track and um, Ed's getting uh, a lot more educated on the system as well so I think we're going to have uh, more people involved in it uh, than we have in the past um, a lot of times having more hands in something is, is not good but uh, I think with um, the gentleman directing, that it, directing it the way it is will be very good and it's 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 all going to be a process, um, 
you know, I want to give kudos to, to, to uh, Rich uh, in regard to the electronic situation because much like everything else, you know, he opened the book and started reading it and, and started pressing buttons and away he went. I mean, it's a little bit more technical than that, of course, but uh, he's like, hey, you got to take a chance. You know, Chuck, even you should be educated in this. You should know how to run the system. And I, I agree with that. I believe it. I don't have the mental room for it right now. I'm still trying to help do the very basic. But Ed is way more involved in it than he ever has been in the past. And he's mm. getting way more of an education than he ever has. Again, we'll have another person at the track. We'll have some people in the background. So I'm very confident um, of, of, of what we're doing. Um, we've got a really <coughs> excellent uh, database now from all the racing that we've been doing. Yeah. And I think it will be uh, hopefully the most seamless season we've ever had. Well, let me ask you this. I, I saw you at Daytona this year. Um, yep. You were um, hanging out with with uh, Sully uh, doing the Twins Cup thing. But um, any any plans on having Maddie race an R6 in the 200? No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a couple of reasons. What? One, because we have we have a, 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 a such a commitment to Superbike. You know, if anything were to happen health-wise, it, it, it would be a detriment. Um, the other thing is, is to really do it and do it well, um, it takes a, a good uh, piece of budget. And when people see, um, especially a rider, when he says, oh my God, it's $20,000 to win that. It's like, right, but not this year. Right. You know, you're going to get five grand if you win it, and then the team is going to take the rest of the money to recoup it. Right. You know, that's, that's difficult. For, I'm not saying that that would be math, but there's no way we can just dedicate another thirty to $50,000 to do that. Now, somebody's going to say, well, you're full of shit, Chuck. I've been doing it out of the back of a U-Haul trailer for 35 years. The guy doing it out of the back of his trailer for 35 grand, years but... isn't winning. Right. Right? Right. Um, I mean, look, I, I believe the – I'm the fire extinguisher guy. So mm -hmm. I, I believe I'll be the fire extinguisher guy again, which is fun, sure. super fun for me. But um, I believe we're going there with just one rider this year. Right. Um, Smart. I think uh, Camp, is, Camp P wants revenge for the 007 thing, mm -hmm. and rightfully so. I mean, that dude, he's capable of winning that thing easy, uh, I think. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And, um, you know. Daytona is Daytona, though, right? So, yep. <clears throat> um, I love it. I there's love a bunch Daytona. of comments too. There's a bunch of comments about it too. I mean, you know, talking about Jake getting hurt at Daytona, like what you said, you know, um, little oops and in, in uh, pit yep. stop practice, and Jake smashes the wall, right? So, yep. I mean, that could have that could have put a huge detriment to the number one plate, That's right. right? That's right. <clears throat> Fortunately for Jake, he's a tough bastard. So, um, you know, the, the Daytona thing didn't really hurt him too bad, I guess. But, um, you know, still, <clears throat> the risk is there, right? The risk is there. So Absolutely. Um, you know, so uh, I guess you're going to – I would imagine you're going to be at Daytona again with Sully? Or what's the plan? Yeah, we'll be there with Ed and we'll be there with, with another rider too. Uh, and we may even have a guest rider on a, on a third R7. Oh, wow. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I, so, I was talking to some people that were like, man, you should run a ride for Daytona. And I said, yeah, sure. And the guy said to me, um, 
I go, well, you're going to rent. Yeah, I was going to rent a bike for this guy. And I said, well, how much are you going to charge him? He said, $2,500. I said, $2,500 for what? $2,500. What's that, what, what is that paying for? You got a $50,000 R6. Right. For $2,500? I don't think so. There won't, there won't be any renting of, renting of rides. You know, if, when you look at the R7 when we're done with it, it's about a $30,000 motorcycle. Right. And, um, you know, you just can't go rent something like that for $5,000 and let it get the shit beat out of it. And, uh, uh, Pinky anybody good says, doesn't want to ride the thing for free anyway. So, you know, Pinky says uh, Posh will win it again. <clears throat> Maybe. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, you know, going back to your R7 project, I, I want to talk about the rest of the stuff that you guys do. I mean, you guys, sure. on a race weekend, I know that you've carted people's stuff around. I know you had the Roach Kid uh, a couple years ago on the R3. Yeah. You know, you, you do the R7 thing a little bit, and I guess that's kind of branching off. Um, and then you used to, used to help out Hunter Dunham for a few years too, right? It was sad mm -hmm. to see that that dude's jumping out of racing. <clears throat> he is to an extent. He was at the shop this past week, and I think he's still looking around to 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 get some kind of a ride. What he's not into, um, hard to believe, but he wasn't into spending a couple hundred thousand a year. Uh, well, he you know, doesn't you do have it. Four or five years, and voila, it's a million dollars. So, right. Uh, Hunter's a really smart guy. His parents are really smart, um, and uh, he, I I would I would definitely be surprised if he was not in the paddock in some uh, shape or form. Uh, okay. And he, he hopes he hopes to be riding, and I hope he's riding too. Um, we're gonna have uh, uh, my my buddy who who builds all the uh, engines for the uh, R7, Don Finelli. They've been friends with him for which seems to be a lifetime. It's been a really long time. He um, he's gonna be taking care of another guy in Superstock 1000 on a Yamaha, so he'll be out of the trailer as well. Uh, so we oh. will have another little side project there. And, That's cool. Uh, We'll let that gentleman make an announcement when he wants to, but it's good. He's going to be using all the same product, and we'll build and prepare the bike. And I, I think the the guy is a fine rider. Uh, he's a fine human being, and I'm I'm looking forward to 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 having him uh, around us and uh, and being successful. I mean, his stuff really doesn't. It's going to get our attention. I don't really think it needs it. He uh, he 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 works on it all himself, and it's it's a it's a beautiful piece. Um, so I'm really looking forward to helping him grow and, uh, and have him with us. And, um, and then, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll have another R7 peering around and, uh, hopefully that guy will be up front too. At least we're planning on it. Nice. Nice. I mean, look, <clears throat> I know you guys have been working and tearing apart that R7 to try to get the most out of it. There's somebody right. that was asking me, um, you know, how do you get the hundred horsepower or whatever it is that you're getting out of the out of the R7, and I told I I basically said that you're um you're doing R1 engine swaps. <laughs> but I mean, talk talk a little bit about what you guys are doing to the R7. I mean, Yoshimura. I mean, I have an R7 pipe right over yeah. my shoulder there. That's a brand yeah. new R7 pipe. Um, yeah. One of my guys just got one. Uh, Jimmy he bought one out of our fleet, and um, yeah. you know, it's over at Yosh. I guess they're doing some airbox stuff and. Yeah. Uh, cams. Yoshimura's got cams for the thing. So, yep. um, what are you guys doing? I mean, I know you had this trick airbox thing that you were doing as well. Um, well, yeah, my, one of our partners in, in, in the deal is, is, uh, our, our crew chief for Western racing, Ed Sullivan. And this has been something that he's been really interested in, 
um, is is working with this R7, and he has one, and he test rides uh, mine for me when we need it uh, ridden. Um, so Ed has actually been the guy, uh, the driving force behind the airbox uh, with the original design and the, a bunch of the CFD work and then the, the print work and stuff like that. But he's taken it from uh, a concept on paper to a foam block to uh, a mold to, um, yeah, to a, a, a really uh, nice piece um, that uh, will work really well and I'm sure will cost a small fortune but that's what racing is all about so um i mean that's the nuclear arms race class right the yeah. twins cup yeah yeah and and i mean you know we're we're i mean i ain't gonna lie to you dude we're now we're spooling the fucking reactor up nice i mean yeah. you said 30 some thousand dollars uh r7 i mean that's yeah you know that's a budget bike dude like that's a sub ten thousand dollar bike to start with so yeah. to, to take that yeah. thing from the budget street bike to, you if know, you twin... give me a brand new zero mile engine, I'll give you back, or we will, Jock Moto will give you back for just over $10,000, one that makes 100 horsepower at the wheel. Okay. Um, and reliably, reliably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, there's always that engine guy that's like, yeah, man, you know, 1500 bucks. I'm not going to mention names. Mm. Um, rhymes with Shmeri sh Shmeen. Right? But, uh, you know, I mean, you know me, dude. This is me. This is me, right? You know, I think you should get a Shmushmortion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, there's always the guy that's um, offering less. But then... You know, how much is the failure worth, you know? Well, that's the thing. You know, the um, the R7 as a base was a budget motorcycle, but the bones of it, especially in the engine, are really robust. So the engine can really take a lot more than one would think. We're in the very beginning of the development of that engine, to be honest. Okay. So we have a, we have a kit that that YMUS developed um, through the racing department. And it's a kit that was shared with um, with Dirt Track uh, entrance because it's the same it's the same engine essentially. An MT07 and an FZ07 and a, an R7 are essentially the same thing. The R7 the crankcases are a little bit different on it, but. Right. Ba basically, um, they have a really nice kit they make that they only sell to racers and people who are who are affiliates with with their program uh, uh, that is not available to everyone um, it, it, it you can put together a season no problem with no failures but you need to do regular maintenance like a superbike engine you know? right and there's parts in there that'll be timed out now the difference between this motorcycle and something other projects that we've done in the past is we've had an awful lot of help from YMUS We've had help from YME in Europe. Uh, we have had help from Attack Performance for chassis and engine stuff. We have had help from other superbike entities. We've had help from car entities, from CFD entities. Everybody's wanted to get involved in this program. So everybody's had something constructive to, to, to add to the program. That being said, 
we're starting to get a stockpile of parts that work good and we can have a good base with. Now the chassis is something that we didn't spend a lot of time on last year. Uh, we made it turn and stop and really good and, and you know the thing it's, it's, it's a fairly uh, inexpensive motorcycle uh, so it's got some parts on it that I don't want to say are substandard because they're not. They're perfectly fine for the street but when you almost you know, when you throw an extra 40% of horsepower to the thing, um, different things happen to the chassis. And, of course, the, the larger you are as a human being riding the thing, the more you're going to feel flex and things of that nature. Um, there's some ways around that and inexpensive ways within, within the rules to, to combat that. And I just think for what that motorcycle is, I think that that motorcycle will probably enjoy the success as far as sales and smiles per mile, miles per smiles or smiles per miles that the R6 gave. And I know that's really, R6 people won't like hearing that. Well, uh, here's the difference. Um, you go to any dealer and uh, there aren't any there. So that pretty much tells you the story. They're sold out. They sold out before I just they saw your arrived. text message. That's hilarious. <laughs> I knew what you were saying, but it's hilarious. All right, so... Um, I've got I've got a few more questions. Uh, yeah, Brian Green away. has a few questions. The first sure. question is the stock thousand thing. You know, it's five races. He says, "Who's going to put the money into a program like that for five races?" But it's not five races. It's ten races. It's five rounds. Five rounds. Well, there's also Superbike Cup too, right? That's right. If you're part of that, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, most of the most of the complaining that we're hearing as a whole are from people who don't have anything to do with the series or just people that are on looking. I would do this. I would do that. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. A lot of the people in the paddock aren't complaining. We don't have a lot of whiners in the paddock right now. It's really good. A lot of them got weeded out. There's some real tough cookies in the paddock right now. Some people that really want to get the job done and they're not afraid to stick their neck out. I'm proud of the people. Wow. Okay. Well, that shuts that down. Okay. So here's another one. Uh, this is actually one I've heard many, many times before. Um, by the way, I think Smiles Per Mile, I think that might be a new Track Days t-shirt. Thanks a lot for that, Chuck. Um, the, uh, the Aprilia 660, you know, um, Brian yeah. Green, you know, again, I'm going to give him credit for this, but basically a lot of people are saying the same thing. You know, it seems like it'd be a lot cheaper to just buy an Aprilia instead of dumping 30K into an R7. Doesn't the Aprilia make like 100 horsepower stock? I don't know where those guys finish this year. They didn't win the number one plate this year, did they? Right. Right. Okay. And and now I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to be. Trying wow, to be that's just like a giant mushroom print on the guy's forehead. Like, come on, Chuck. <laughs> well, okay. Let's let's go farther than that. Um, yeah, it's got an aluminum frame and it's got a real ram airbox. But there's no real way to to tune it electronically. Uh, there isn't essentially a race ECU that gives you any depth. Um, we're working on that with the R7. Uh, there's no suspension linkage. Um, there's no uh, linkage the on the R on the six sixty. No, it's direct. No way, really. Yep. Um, and uh, again, I'm not dogging on Aprilia. I'm not. I'm, I'm grateful that they're in the class, and I've got some very good friends that run those t run run a couple of teams. But I mean, the thing's coughing up rods all the time. I think they're finally going to give them connecting rods this year. Which really isn't a performance boost, but it, at least it, it, it should give them a, a, a few more miles before they start having problems like that. Um, Keep the oil in I, the bike. 
yeah, I mean, hey, get Suzuki's. Get there's a new Honda coming out. Get get them all. Get them all out there. But I think that that people in general are, you know, we're we're concentrating on the R7 and 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 um, you know, pretty much right now we don't work on anything that's not an R series bike at our at our place. But uh, I think if people are patient, we're going to do the majority of the donkey work for everybody, and then have a, a product and information to hand over to sell to the end user so they can ride and not have an issue. Just do what you're told. And, you know, none of our stuff has a real short fuse on it or, you know, you're going like, eh, you know, with RPM or like the old we rev the shit out of the thing. Like the old SV650, you look at the thing right. wrong and it's, it, it breaks the crankshaft. <laughs> right. Right. We revved ours to, to thousands of RPMs over what it calls for. And it made power up there, um, and we saw some wear parts. I think if we turn that RPM down for the, the common person and just have it there for back shifting and stuff like that, I think the thing will even live a much longer life. But it is racing. So it took Blake two engines to, 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 to do the season. Wow. Um, we just did a rotation. We didn't. He didn't give us one and freshen it up and come back. We just... We did it in a rotation form. And, um, you know, the other thing is that everybody that, that works with us gets the same recipe, right? So everybody has the same engine. Anybody whose engine that we have built gets the same en engine that Blake Davis gets. Oh, nice. The, the, the same thing. We're not doing, you know, so like it's not we the can gather. Engine. If you want to play ball, we can all gather all the same information. Right. You know? And we're not going to ask our, we're not going to ask the end user to test something with us. That's, that's no good. People want to spend money. If they're going to spend money, they want to spend it and sleep well at night. So That's probably a smart move. Um, okay, so yeah, we're all I'll, I'll, I'll text you uh, my thoughts on that um, in a minute. Sure. <laughs> but I got a couple more questions. Shit, man, sure. we're already at like two hours like we always are. Um, but uh, Chris I'll Gilman. short. Chris Gilman, yeah, right? We talked shit about we're doing four hours, right? Like, I'm not Joe Rogan, sorry. Not doing a four-hour podcast. Um, he, he wanted to know your opinion on Supersport this year, but also he wants to know, do you think it's a reality for someone to do well in Moto, Moto America Supersport and then move to World Supersport, then World Superbike from there? Or do you think there's a better path? Go. Like, start well, out I with what you path, think of Supersport think... class. I think the I think the path is pretty good. I think that that class is going to have a lot more validity uh, in the coming years, and people are going to feel a lot more comfortable with it because inevitably all these motorcycles are all going to have the Medtronic's kit on them, right? So that all the ECUs will be manipulated essentially by the manufacturer and will have a certain amount of guidelines. So they're going to have a whole plethora. Like pretty soon, you're going to be able to have any motorcycle that's homologated for that class, and a kit just to bolt it on there. I didn't like the idea of it at first, but I'll be honest with you, it's really growing on me because they're really super active in this. Scott Smart and those guys in the World Championship are really super active in keeping an eye on it. And uh, it worked well this year in, in, in the World Championship, so I think more of that technology will come back to us, yeah. and, 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 and it'll be better here as well right now it seems there's an overdog right somebody would say well the bike that josh heron rode is an overdog yeah i don't think so much because of the chassis and um, then they say oh well the 
the GSXR 750 is is the overdog. Yeah, maybe Tyler's a really great rider. You, you know what I mean? Like right. he's really great. Um, and then somebody goes, oh well, the R6, but you know that's standard bore, and you can only port the head to this, and you can only do that, and blah blah, blah. whatever. I think, again, I think some of the best bikes in that class may have not been up towards the front. I'm not discounting the bikes that were up front, by the way. Right. I think there are other good bikes out there, but again, it's it's the rider and, and tuning and getting chassis correct. Well, I mean, aside from Daytona, we didn't really see the Triumph, right? So correct. We didn't really see the Triumph. We didn't really see much of the Cowie. Um, and the reality is most people don't realize that the 600 class is pretty much done. I mean, the manufacturers aren't making them. Well, anymore. unfortunately, it is. It's over. Right? It's, so, it's yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, I think there might still be kind of a Suzuki, but not really. I'm not really sure. But Well, it's like a CBR 600, right? Right. I mean, it's the same bike from 07 that they keep on pumping out. But, I mean, they're right, not. But they're going to allow them to do enhancements. Right. So, the class, the, the next-gen class, it's, right now, it's, it's going to be just super sport eventually, I would imagine. But they're calling it yes. next-gen right now. In preparation, I think, because I guess you could call it a transition, right? Because, like, what the fuck do you do? Like, the manufacturer stopped making the 600. Like, you're not going to stop racing. So they had to figure something out, I think. And um, no, I think they're doing think a pretty good, pretty good job with the balancing as well. I mean, you look at the R6 is supposedly the old dog, right? And the thing was competitive, man. Like, uh, you know, Rocco, if he had his shit together the whole season like he did the second half, it might have been a different points battle, right? So well, I'm sure it would have been. I'm sure it would have been. Um, and that's not taking anything away from JH2 either. I mean, it, you know, he won the championship fair and square. You know, the guy kicked yeah. ass and he won it. Um, but again, those guys didn't come to play. They had an objective and they did it. Yeah, you know, I think if 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 things were different with several other teams in the paddock or other riders, uh, where their business per se was to win races and championships, don't forget to. And I hate to. This is a kind of a shitty reality, but for racing, there's only a few of us who get paid to really do this. I don't right. have a second job. This is what I do for a living. You know, this is what Rich does for a living. Right. This is what Team Hammer does for a living. This is what Titler's race team does for a living. Those guys work full-time, you know, doing that. Albeit, I don't know if it's two of them or 20 of them. It doesn't matter. But racing's their business. Right. So, you know, whereas in Europe, when you and I were there, uh, you could see that even the very smallest of team was all business. Oh, 100%. All business. We sat know? and talked about that, right? I mean, dude, there wasn't, there was not a toy hauler in the paddock. There was not a van in the paddock. There was not... Nope. A pickup truck in the paddock. It was everybody all was semis. given. Every, everybody was given everything they they, they could. Everything yeah, they I mean, could. even the even the guy that was next to us that had like the kind of clapped out R six, right? Yep. Like even that dude, uh, mind you, his semi looked like it was really like a furniture semi, originally, mm -hmm. but he had it wrapped up and it looked legit. That's right. So, um, right. it's a different game. So yeah, going there. back to the guys, going back to the guys' question, I think that that. The next next gen stuff is definitely going to be the way to go. Uh, if you're interested in superbike um, and you want to be there, inevitably, I don't think it's a problem jumping on a super stock bike. Um, I'm really about uh, that super stock class 
uh, as long as people want to make the step. I look at it just as a step. You know, it, it, there's no, you're not going to be a hero in Superstock. You're going to get your feet wet. Hopefully, you're going to catch the bug to go Superbike racing. And then you're going to go to Superbike. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple years you know. ago, Kyle Wyman said almost the exact same thing. I mean, that mm -hmm. dude was like, dude, if you want to go race Superbike, stop with the excuses and just fucking do it, you know? Yeah. And, right. and, you know, I mean, you remember what Kyle rode in Superbike before he had that Ducati. He rode like a stock thousand R1 first. You know, he mm -hmm. eventually developed it a little more, but mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a super bike, it, you know, not really. No, it was quasi. Right. You know, that's what we did for like a year my, Like my bike is about what, maybe, you know, maybe more actually, right? Like, yeah. you know, so, I mean, those guys, you, you look at the privateer guy like Max Slenders, right? That dude's doing the super bike thing. And he, I think he's doing a pretty good job for privateer guy. Max out of is doing a great man. job. Max, Max got the, was given the, um, the coveted Sportsman of the Year award from Moto America. And I think that's a hell of an is. honor, to be honest with you. He is, dude. That dude is super friendly. His whole yep. family, I think that's his dad in the pit, right? It is. Martin's his dad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, they're super welcoming. And I, I even yep. try to help them out with the electronics when I could, you know, with the kit stuff. Because I'm like, yep. hey, we, we did this YouTube thing. Like, you know, we want to talk. I'm like, well, how come you that's don't right. have data on your bike, bro? Like, you know, right. even in the club bikes, right. I'll, I'll have data now, right? So, right. Um, right. you know, it's just that one next thing, and he'd rather go racing, right? So, anyway. Um, yeah. Next question. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, that Brian Green guy is talking about, you're, you're talking about the transition of the class, and he was talking about the cost of the, the 750 fly-by-wire thing is about ten grand right now. Like, he kind of hopes that cost. No, it's not. It, it, it's not. Ulrich told him that. For a drive-by-wire kit, ten grand. Yeah, it's about ten grand. You got to get it from England. I, I think it's because maybe the, there's not very many sold yet. Eventually, that stuff will go down, like TVs, right? But, um, but then uh, again, there's a price cap. There's a price cap on all that stuff, and so I don't see how that's the case now. I'm certainly not calling John or Chris Ulrich a liar by any means, but I can tell you this: if it was ten thousand dollars for a drive-by-wire system, I wouldn't be racing a fucking Suzuki. That'd be that's the end of it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a pretty bold statement there, buddy. Um, well, but I mean, why would you why would you right. spend ten thousand dollars on just on a drive by wire system? You know, you got fifteen hundred in shock, fifteen hundred in forks, you know, two thousand in an engine, fifteen hundred in bodywork, kit electronics, all this other stuff, and now you're gonna now you're gonna spend that kind of money just to be legal in a class. So yeah, ten thousand dollars seems to be a bit a bit, a bit uh, pricey, but you know if I'm if if I'm wrong, I apologize, but yeah. that, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. We're I'm gonna I'm gonna start to wrap this thing up basically. Yeah. But I got one last fan question I'm gonna go to, and it, this sure. is gonna like put you on the spot. And and it's you know me being Ron Burgundy, right? Like I'll okay. So this one comes from Sean Sage. He asked to ask Chuck. When he's gonna put Dustin Coiner on the second Westby Superbike? <laughs> Is it gonna be a full time thing or just a guest appearance? Shut your mouth, dude! Don't tease me. <laughs> no. So many people ask about when we're gonna let, when we're gonna have a second Superbike, and I think uh, if we had a second Superbike, 
um, I believe that our program would have been even farther along than it is. You know what the biggest problem right now, dude? I mean, we already talked about budget. <clears throat> can't find anybody to work. Yeah. Can't find anybody to work. And the, the part of the problem is, is the people that do want to do the job also have another job. Right. And working for the Westby team is a lot different than working for most of the other teams because we like to get people out to every test. We have work back at the shop we do. We ask, we pay good, but we ask a lot of the contractors and the employees that work for us. So right. it, it's, it's full dedication. And I think if we had more people in the sport on a technical level, then we could entertain putting more guys on motorcycles. But we have had a lot of people that come to us and say, what's it gonna cost to do this, this, or this? This is what it's going to take. We can't do it because of, and generally it comes down to help. It's it's been it just, just just horrible. There's no guys that want to start out filling coolers like we did 30 years ago. <clears throat> yeah, I hear that, dude. I hear that, and yeah, I mean, I guess I would ride your bike if we given the opportunity, but I'm not that guy. Like I'm never going to be that guy, and I'm okay with it. You know, I hand that shit out. I don't have a problem handing that kind of stuff out, but boy. Ed and Trig, they're like, what? You're going to do what? Oh, it'll be fine. You're going to what? <laughs> right on, man. Well, you know what, Chuck? It's been fun, dude. We made it past two hours again, dude. Like, how does that even yeah, happen? I fucking rambled my ass off again. I'm not sure how much ground we covered. No, man, it's great, dude. We you know, got through the notes. We did the stuff. It's great. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your uh, Georgia evening Heck yeah. It's always a good time with you. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to catch up more. I, I, I want to do like the Superbike Roundtable with you and Richard and the rest of the Superbike team owners. And now that the Ducati rider has been announced, you know, maybe we could work on getting that going. I think that'd be really great to get everybody in doing that. Yeah, man. I You know, it'd be kind of neat to hear the perspective of the council, you know? I agree. Yeah. I think it would be really fun for people to be able to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again, Chuck. And um, I'm, I'm going to sign off right now. But dude, again, next Thank time. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody that watches and supports Moto America, um, road racing in this country, and any kind of motorcycle that is known to man. Get out and ride. Right on, man. Well, peace See out. You, Thank you. Yep.